On your Monday episode of Locked on Raptors, the Toronto Raptors take down the Washington Wizards in their rematch in D.C. on Saturday. In overtime, we'll talk about Fred Van Vliet and why he's kind of looking like his old self of late, despite the shooting still being up and down. We'll also talk about how Nick Nurse redeemed himself for a very poorly coached game on Thursday. And we got the good, the bad, and the hmm, all coming up on today's episode. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1353, I think, of Locked On Raptors for Monday, March the 6th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. The handle is right there on the screen for those watching on YouTube. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps. And of course, we are, as I said, on YouTube. You can go and subscribe to the video version of the show each and every day where you get to look at my mug. What better advertising could there possibly be than getting to look at my mug, right? Uh, we're nearing 3,000 subs over on the YouTube channel as well. So uh, much appreciated for all those helping to get there. And I uh, would love to see you join our little Locked On Raptors family by hitting the big red subscribe button over on the tube, if you would be so kind. Uh, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks, First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com. Promo code locked on. More on them a little bit later on. All right. On today's show, we are going to dig into the very fun, entertaining Saturday afternoon evening affair against the Washington Wizards. I had a great time watching this game, as stressful and as uh, eye gouging as it was at times down the stretch. I thought the Raptors uh, pulled, acquitted themselves pretty nicely against a Washington team that, while I don't think they're all that great in terms of the grand scheme of the NBA, they certainly play hard, and they certainly make a lot more sense as a basketball team than Wizards teams of yore. And so this was, uh, you know, I thought, as our friend Will Liu pointed out on Twitter, it's a battle of two very mid-teams, but at least it's entertaining. And honestly... My, you know, 75% of what guides my basketball enjoyment is, were the games exciting and entertaining? And boy, oh boy, this one was very much that. We'll dig into Nick Nurse and how I thought he really pressed the right buttons in this one uh, in a complete stark opposite to Thursday where I thought he pressed all of the wrong buttons in that loss. Uh, we will also get into the good, the bad, and the hmm, some OG talk, some Chris Boucher talk, a little bit more coming up. But before we do all that, let's dive into the big takeaway for me from this game. And I know by now everyone who watches this show, listens to this show, knows that I am a Fred Van Vliet appreciator big time. I think he is extremely underappreciated by Raptors fans, uh, the like just wild seeming uh, distaste for Fred Van Vliet's game has never quite sunk into me. I don't really get it. I know he's not 
the perfect player. I know he's by no means the best player at his position or anything like that in the NBA. He's probably something like a middle-tier starting point guard in the league, but uh, he's still really good. He's still really effective, and he still makes things happen for this Toronto Raptors team, whether he's shooting or not, as was evidenced on Thursday by the minus 26 that the Raptors were in the eight minutes he sat and the plus 15 they were in the 40 minutes he played in that game. Uh, Not so extreme, and it didn't have to be so extreme in the game against the Wizards because the Raptors actually got some help from their bench and all of that, which we will talk about a little bit later on. But Fred Van Vliet in this game, 25 points, four boards, 10 assists, three steals, two blocks, nine of six from the field, 6 of 11 from deep. And when you get a performance like that, when you get Fred Van Vliet playing like in his upper 50th percentile of outcomes, the Raptors become very hard to beat. He's an organizer. He ties things together. He runs pick and roll with Pascal Siakam, with Jakob Pertl, with anybody else you want to pick and roll with on a team, on the team. Fred Van Vliet is the guy who's typically going to operate that. He's gotten way better as a playmaker going downhill in the pick and roll, finding that roller. Jakob Pertl obviously presents himself as a gloriously hittable target with how big and just like presentable he makes himself in the middle of the floor. But Fred Van Vliet is undeniably really, really good and really, really important to what the Raptors want to do and to making the rest of the roster, which is full of dudes who are uh, long and limber and light on shooting and defense forward. It makes it all make sense. He ties it together. And I continue to maintain that you know, buyer beware, or I guess seller beware, if you're one of the folks who's just like, yeah, no, Fred doesn't need to be on the team coming to next season. It's cool. Just just cut bait and move on. Uh, like You're going to have some pain if that's the case, because what Fred Van Vliet does is incredibly valuable. The late shot making against the Wizards, obviously two threes in overtime in that left corner. Uh, that's the kind of stuff we've come to expect from Fred Van Vliet over many, many years. And this year, It's fallen on hard times. The clutch shooting has not been there in the same uh, sort of dependable way that you always expect with Fred Van Vliet. The overall three-point shooting is at 34%. It's not what you want. But he is turning his season around, or has been turning his season around, for now a couple months, I would say. And if you look at the numbers for Fred Van Vliet since, say, January 1st, it paints a picture of a guy who we know and have seen play for the Raptors for many, many years to great effect. He's basically the same guy with a little bit of a drop-off from deep. Since January the 1st, 20.4 points per game, 4.8 rebounds, 7.6 assists. He's averaging 10 assists over his last five games. The, the arrival of Jakob Pertl very obviously helping in the assist department for him, making him his playmaking all that much easier. Helps that Yak is finishing like 76% of his buckets right now. Um, but still, you know, the point stands. He's shooting 35% from deep, which is not amazing, but it's better than the 33 he was hanging around at, 32 he was hanging around at earlier on in the season. Uh, he's doing that on 9.2 extremely crucial attempts per game. And he's also got better than two stocks, you know, stocks, he steals plus blocks combined at five in the game against the Wizards. I know his on-ball defense is not amazing right now. It is probably the weak point. Bradley Beal, for example, you know, he was totally locked up by OG Ananobi, which we'll talk about later on on Saturday. But whenever Fred Van Vliet was on him, it was kind of a blow-by fest. Uh, you know, Bradley Beal shot, I believe, three of seven with Fred as his uh, official, uh, you know, guy guarding him. But the team scored like 31 points on like 14 possessions or whatever it was. I, I had the data in front of me. I 
dropped it, uh, dropped the tab just before firing up the show. But it was really, really bad in terms of a points per possession basis of Fred guarding Bradley Beal. But that's fine because they don't need to have Fred guard the best offensive player on the other team all the time. OG took that assignment in this game. And even if they do have to have him on a very good point guard, there is now insulation behind him in the form of Jakob Pertl to clean up those messes, and you can survive with Fred Van Vliet being a slightly lesser version of his former menacing on-ball self, especially when you consider the off-ball stuff that he does and just the organization he brings on the offensive end. The Raptors' offense hemorrhages without Fred Van Vliet. They are not very good. They're 5.1 points per 100 possessions better with him on the floor per NBA.com's on-off data. Uh, overall, the Raptors as a team are 3.3 points per 100 possessions better with he, when he's on the floor. That is, you know, I think third or fourth best on the team right now behind uh, Jakob Pertl, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam. Fred Van Vliet slides in there right in fourth, and he continues to drive unquestionably positive play. You know, I, I talked on Friday's show after the game against the Wizards after a couple of rough shooting nights, you know, about how this is very much a fact-finding time for the Raptors, trying to determine who's going to be part of the solution going forward. And I noted that, like, I'm curious how long or how bad a Fred Van Vliet shooting slump would have to be in order for the Raptors to maybe reconsider things with him going forward. Um, and I, I understand that the shooting woes and the potential for decline and the risk baked into whatever his next contract's going to be weighs heavy on some people and makes you maybe just want to stay away. But he's really important. And if the Raptors want to be good, which they have been good now for the last you know month and a half or so, they're 9-4 and four since the start of February. That's really strong. They're, what, 7-3 and three now, 6-3 and three with Jakob Pertl in the lineup. They're playing like a good team. Maybe not a great team, but a good team. If you want to be a good team next season, Fred Van Vliet, I think, has to be part of that. Or someone like Fred Van Vliet. And there just aren't that many guys like Fred Van Vliet. Go to the market right now. Tell me where you're finding a guy who consistently, three years in a row, is going to give you 24 and 6. Or in this case, 24 and 8 on, you know, not amazing overall efficiency, but really good three-point shooting on high-volume three-point shooting. Maybe not even really good three-point shooting, just pretty good three-point shooting. It's an incredibly important set of skills for the Raptors to have. I will continue to bang this drum, and I hope that, uh, you know, the, 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 the master class that Fred put on, probably his best game of the season or one of his best games of the season against the Wizards on Saturday. I hope that kind of calms the Fred Van Vliet sharks that are circling, kind of ready to kind of cast him aside after a couple of bad games. Um, he's really good. He's really valuable. He's super important. And I think a lot of the recent ups and downs of the Raptors, the ins and outs of him in the lineup, what we saw the offense look like when Fred wasn't available while he was away for the birth of his child. Uh, you know, it's been a pretty good week, I would say, for Fred Van Vliet's stock in terms of his value and importance to the team. And he was just awesome in the game against the Wizards. He's the reason they won it. And uh, man, a lot of fun to watch. We will talk but some other reasons they want it in just a sec. We're going to get into Nick Nurse and why I thought he really pulled the right cranks and levers in this game. We'll talk about the, the lineup combinations, finding maybe, just maybe, a bench lineup that could stick. We'll dig into why maybe there should be some optimism about the Fred or the Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent Jr., Jr. sort of staggered bench duo. We'll get to that coming up in just one second. Before we do that, however, I've got to tell you about our dear friends over at Prize Picks. We're making daily fantasy sports fun, easy, super accessible. Highly recommend you check your check it out if you're a daily fantasy player or if you're maybe a long season long fantasy player who is late in your season. The playoffs are coming up. Maybe your team's not so good. Maybe you're just sick of the grind of setting your team every single day. 
Prize picks can be the way for you to have some fun playing daily fantasy sports without the worries and the trials and tribulations of the season-long ordeal that can be fantasy sports i'm speaking as someone who has grown to really detest season-long fantasy sports prize picks is the way all you got to do is pick two to six players on any entry for any given night it doesn't have to just be nba either you can go cross sport if you'd like and really you're just picking whether they're going to score more or less in the given stat than the prize picks projection has for them so Jakob hurdle eight and a half rebounds are you going to say more or less if you hit more that's great you win part of your entry if you win all six players on your entry you go up to 25 times your money on any entry. That is pretty sweet. No competing against other people. It's just you against the projections the way it should be. Entries can be made in uh, safe and quickly and in 60 seconds or less. You get safe and fast withdrawals as well. And currently, they're operational in over 30 states and in Canada and every province except for Ontario at the moment. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100 into your account what a deal that is. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, thanks for being along. Let's get now into another big takeaway I had from this game, which is that I thought Nick Nurse did a really good job in this game pulling the right levers pressing the right buttons making the right adjustments you know I love I know Matt Devlin on the broadcast is very uh against these two game sort of baseball series that we've had the last couple seasons just as a means around COVID scheduling and also I just think as a means to limit travel I love them because I love adjustments and the sort of chess match of how do you play a team two times in a row how do you change up the look how do you adjust and adapt to what the team did to you in the first of the two games and how do you apply that in the second game and like I think you know it makes it hard to sweep these games that's for sure just because the adjustment gets to happen and there's no time to adjust back or anything like that and so it can be difficult to to win both I I think they've only done it against Charlotte this year where they've won both games of one of these uh baseball series that don't hold me to that I'm pretty sure that's true but I'm not 100% sure that's fine the point stands I enjoy these little mini series that we get to see and with the Raptors and Wizards, I do think it's a pretty fascinating matchup if it comes down to a play-in game, uh, which it could. This could be the 9-10 game for sure, and you know, big-time importance for the Raptors to win this game, get an edge in the tiebreaker. There's one game left against the Wizards in late March that will decide the tiebreaker for sure. It's 2-1 for the Raptors right now. Um, you know, it, it's uh, This could be your, your game that you see in the play-in, and that would be, I think, a lot of fun just in terms of how the matchup is because these are interesting teams with interesting sort of differences and uh you know not a ton of similarities honestly at all so Nick Nurse had himself I I think some work to do after Thursday where we saw just completely misshapen nonsensical second units we saw uh you know just some really bad I I think general game management from Nick Nurse in that game and we saw a better version of it in this one. We saw him, you know, I, I kind of clamored after Thursday's game. Like, they have to find some core lineups to go along with their starters, who, by the way, now, I think three games into them being the starters for the team now are kicking ass, like a plus 19 net rating still. Uh, they're really, really good. They're really, really potent. That's awesome. You have the small ball starters, who we saw close this game in late regulation and into overtime. I thought that was really encouraging to see that, you know, Nick Nurse was able to, again, you know, for the second time this week, make the decision to close small and use that to their advantage. You know, this game, I thought... 
Jakob Pertl was excellent, but Kristaps Porzingis is a really good three-point shooter. He's having an excellent season. He can even put it on the deck a little bit. And the the Wizards were pulling Yak away from the basket with Porzingis standing in the corner, and you weren't really getting the full Yak effect anyway. He was having to scramble around quite a bit on defense. There were a few, you know, sort of gaps that, that the guys were able to punch that Yak wasn't there to close. And that's fine. You know, you have to guard Kristaps Porzingis. He's like a really, really good shooter this season. But as an alternative, you know, he's not the guy who's going to crush you on the offensive glass. He's not the big bruising type of center who the Raptors are going to come up against. Oh, I don't know, say tonight against the uh, Denver Nuggets or later this week against the Clippers. If Avica Zubac is around, um, which I think he's out right now, but still. He's not one of these big bruising centers, and so you can afford to go smaller, to not get crushed on the glass, and the Raptors were able to equip themselves pretty nicely in that smaller look against a pretty big, still, uh, you know, Wizards look, but with Porzingis out there, you're able to kind of go a little smaller, be a little bit more offense forward, and I think it really worked. Obviously, it led to those big Fred threes in overtime and all of that. And I just thought it was a, you know, as much as you'd like to see Yakapertl ultimately play more than 24 minutes, this is the beauty of having different ways to play and different lineups that can work in different situations. And it just feels so fresh and new for a team that's had one way to play all season long. I thought Nurse did a great job as much as, again, you'd love to see Yak play 32 minutes a night. Uh, he was still very effective in this game, 6 of 8. He refuses to miss all of that, but uh, I, I just thought it was the right call to go with the smaller look down the stretch, and that's going to be the right call in a lot of cases, I would assume. Probably not against the Nuggets tonight, but um, there will be plenty of matchups where you know, if the Clippers roll small with a Nick Batum at the five or something like that, uh, then maybe that's the option you go with. It's just nice to have variability in the ways you can throw your guys out there. And, you know, the other sort of big takeaway here for me from Nick Nurse was, hey, I'm glad he's stuck with the bench unit he's stuck with. And, you know, it's not a perfect look by any means. The second unit that ran for nine minutes in this game was Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent Jr., Will Barton, uh, Precious Achua, and... Uh, Chris Boucher. That five-man group was a plus nine in their nine minutes. They held themselves really well. Like, just holding serve is all you need right now from these in-between lineups, especially considering the starters are pasting teams when they're out there. Um, again, small sample there, but still very encouraging. Lots of uh, promising signs there. You know, to have that second unit where it can be Scotty and Trent, two of your core six guys, who are maybe even like your right now, like what, your your fifth and sixth best players at the moment, your your fourth and sixth best players, to be able to stagger them with your pretty reasonable bench guys and have it not totally blow up in your face, that's awesome. The Wizards, look, they're not a very deep team. They don't have a lot of very good players off the bench. They were rolling Anthony Gill and uh you know Jordan Goodwood and stuff out there for, for long stretches. They're not going to kill you with their second unit. They had to roll their starters for all, over 40 minutes each in this game, except for Daniel Gafford. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's still reasons to think that that second unit can be somewhat fruitful for the Raptors. And the big reason is that the Scotty Barnes-Gary Trent Jr. duo has worked. It works really well offensively. You know, I think it's the same logic of Pascal and Gary Trent Jr. kind of always working really well in harmony. It's just, it's a perfect combination. Guy who attracts a lot of attention, who's a good playmaker, who can get into the teeth of the defense. Gary Trent Jr. is going to benefit from playing with guys like that. And Scotty Barnes is no exception. This season, those two guys, when they share the floor together without the other four core guys on the team, Yak, OG, Siakam, and Van Vliet, when just those two guys plus three bench dudes are out there, 
The Raptors have 117.8 offensive rating. That is very good. That is well above average. That would be right near the top of the NBA in terms of overall efficiency for a full season. Uh, Small samples, obviously, but they've played quite a bit together. And when you have those two guys, you know, there's just like a backbone of offense there, right? You know, Scotty can go and get his looks. He can hunt mismatches, especially against second units. There's going to be plenty of guys out there that he can go to try to feast on. He can be a screener for Gary Trent Jr. Credit to Gary. I feel like he's been a really bad pick and roll ball handler for most of the season, his entire career, really. Four assists against the Wizards. Um, You know, they have to be trying to work with him on that, you know, pick and roll creation, finding the roller, that type of stuff. But sometimes you just get Gary Trent Jr. hitting mid-rangers as well. And if he's like on a midi heater, then that's going to help keep your offense buoyed for those little sections of games as well. Will Barton, not a great defender, you know, reputationally and just sort of in general, but he's got active hands. He seems to try. That's really all you need. Um, and then you have, obviously, Precious and Boucher, the Chaos Boys out there doing their thing as well. If Boucher is going to hit threes, that changes the equation for that lineup as well. And we'll talk about Chris Boucher's threes coming up in the good, the bad, and the hmm. Um, but I just, you know, that lineup, again, one game that we really saw get extended run against the Wizards, uh, but you know the the returns very strong right now. Plus nine uh, in nine minutes. That's that's good good to see. Like you know, any time the Raptors bench cannot hemorrhage points and can just kind of hold serve, it's going to serve them well. And, and you know, do I think this is going to be Lowry in the bench or the bench mob from 2017-18? Certainly not. There's not enough juice there, really. But there's, I do think, enough juice and enough defensive acumen and just enough scoring with the addition of Gary Trent Jr. to the second unit to get by in a way that those lineups back in, say, 2019-20 with Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and Terrence Davis and uh, Chris Boucher got by. They were really bad offensively. Patrick McCaw was out there a whole lot as well. Awful offensively, but they were just good enough defensively to keep the Raptors in these games, win their stretches 6-2, to 4-1, to one, whatever it is. And I think that's probably what you can hope for. Um, maybe not expect. I don't think they're quite the defensive juggernauts that those lineups were, but they're definitely got more offensive juice. Um, so I think they can kind of win their games by similarly small margins on the whole. Really great to see them win their sections by nine minutes in the game on Saturday, even if maybe their fourth quarter segment of the game was a little bit less offensively productive, only 19 points in that fourth quarter. Um, You know, a couple of misguided behind-the-back passes by Scotty Barnes to say Precious Achua, who has trouble catching regular passes on most days, (laughs) at least of late. Um, So maybe just some miscues there. But yeah, I thought that bench lineup was great. I thought Nick Nurse did a good job kind of managing this game top to bottom. And then you look at the, you know, this is an overtime game. Earlier on in the season, you would expect very ballooned minutes totals, 47 minutes for Fred, 43 minutes for Pascal, all of that. This is an overtime game where you get 37 minutes for Pascal, 39 for OG, just 35 for Scotty, 40 for Fred Van Vliet. The 35 minutes that Gary Trent Jr. soaks up, super valuable as well. Uh, we're starting to see the depth come into place here a, a little bit for the Raptors, and I like the way... Nick Nurse has managed, uh, you know, or did manage the game on Saturday. It was nice to see after I thought he was not so hot. And most people thought he was not so hot on Thursday against the Wizards. We will come back in just one second. Get to the good, the bad, and the hmm to round out the show. 
before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar, who are making the best tasting protein bars in the game. We've been talking about them for years on this show, and it's because they're awesome and because they're a wonderful partner of Locked On. Uh, you may be like me, really struggling with like the weather and the cold and being stuck inside with snow and slush and nonsense all over. And you, my response to that is I like to snack. I like to eat nasty. I, I, I'm really, really a bad goblin of an eater at my worst moments. But Built Bar really helps me to channel that and counter that because they taste like delicious confections, but they're actually pretty darn good for you. They have all sorts of wonderful flavors, whether you want more of a chocolate forward, you got peanut butter brownie, for example, which is still my favorite to this day, uh, but you got more sort of light fruity flavors. You got orange and raspberry and all that stuff. Uh, go and check them out. They got tons of flavors over at built.com for you to peruse. Average bar contains just 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein, so it's great as a meal replacement in the morning, power you through a workout, all that good stuff. And you can also now go to Walmart and pick yourself up a four box of whatever flavor you want. You know, cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs. Those puffs are delicious too if you're a marshmallow head. Go and check out Built Bar at your local Walmart or at Built.com to peruse the flavors that you might enjoy. All right, we continue on here with the good, the bad, and the hmm, the way we round out every single one of our game recap podcasts here. Let's get into the good, shall we, from the game on Saturday. And the good is OG Ananobi's work on Bradley freaking Beal defensively. Uh, you know, this dates back to the 2018 playoffs. OG's had Bradley Beal's ass locked down very much since then. I feel like we haven't quite seen Bradley Beal have like a true heater game against the Raptors in quite some time. Uh, and it almost feels like when the Raptors decided OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam are our guys for John Wall and Bradley Beal, uh, that kind of turned the tide. Since then, the Raptors have beaten the Wizards a whole lot of times. I think now it's 12 out of 14 or 12 out of 15, something like that. Um, they're doing quite well in the beating the Wizards department. And OG's def defense on Bradley Beal is clearly one of the biggest reasons, if not the biggest reason for that. Uh, in the game... On the, uh, you know, Bradley Beal had himself a decent game assist-wise. He had 10 assists. That, you know, credit to the Wiz supporting cast. DeLon Wright in particular for knocking down threes and converting on those when the ball was forced from Beal's hands. But whenever OG was guarding Bradley Beal in this game, he was all over his ass. Uh, 0 of 7 from the field in 8 minutes and 48 minutes, or sorry, 8 minutes and 48 seconds for Beal with OG as his primary defender in this game per the NBA.com advanced matchup data. Uh, 37 partial possessions. The Wizards scored 14 points on those possessions. That's really bad uh do the math it's awful it's less than a half a point per possession really 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 awful for the wizards it's because og just seems to have bradley beal's number he's just strong he's quick he's got the hands it's just a really you know bradley beal missed the potential game winner near the end of the game against the raptors as well on saturday and it was entirely because og completely locked him up <laughs> leading up to that attempt uh it's just, you know, the matchup data is always noisy, of course. It's never perfect. There's all sorts of different intricacies. Guys change assignments multiple times on every single possession in the NBA with the amount the Raptors switch in particular. Uh, but when the numbers are that extreme... That tells you something, and uh, yeah, he, he was just incredibly good. Um, you know, I didn't even register that OG at 2 of 11 from the field and 0 of 6 from deep in this game because I was just marveling at the way he was locking up Bradley Beal. And when you can do that, it's going to give you a good shot against the Wizards. Let's go to the bad. The bad for me in this one 
it would be nice to see the Raptors start closing games a little more tightly, a little better. It was great to see them have the, the outburst in overtime with Fred going off. Awesome to see. Um, but, you know, just 19 fourth quarter points in this game. Super bizarre numbers as well as term, as far as their fourth quarter performance. On the year, they're a slight positive in fourth quarters. We know that earlier on in the season, they were just like loading up on fake comebacks and really juicing up their clutch net rating and their overall fourth quarter net rating just because that was when they decided to try in games. Since February the 1st, coinciding with a 9-4 and four stretch, mind you, which is the best run they've had all season, uh, they're a minus 8.3 net rating in fourth quarters, 23rd in the league. And look, you could take it, I suppose, as a positive step in, if you want to look at it one way where they're now no longer relying on great fourth quarters to save their net rating and get themselves within a couple possessions by the end of the game. They're actually putting up good numbers over the course of the first and second and third quarters, which is great. A novel concept, I know. They're starting games out well. The Raptors starters are bludgeoning teams right now. Um, that's all very exciting stuff, but the fourth quarters have been a little bit lackadaisical. I, you know, I don't know if there's a real reason for it. It's still a pretty small 13-game stretch here. Um, you know, They seem to kind of be struggling through it offensively more than defensively, for sure. I think the defense is actually quite legit right now, um, and I think it's going to be what powers them to a lot of games and a lot of wins down the stretch here, but the offense seems to still be kind of going through the motions. I think they'll get it back. The The small ball starting five has been historically excellent in crunch time situations, and I, I think, you know, with Yaka Pirtle on the floor, they've been outstanding offensively on the whole as well, so I, it might just be some sort of late-game jittery, figuring out the hierarchy, that type of stuff. I feel like that'll get worked out at some point here, but, um, you know, considering the fourth used to be the only stretch of games where they, they really kind of made their hay, I guess it's not so bad that it's now the place where they're struggling the most, but it's also uh, the time where the game gets decided. So it would be cool if they could close games a little stronger. I think their defense gives them a real shot to do that. Like the, the whole idea of their, their their defense being their best crunch time weapon, I think is very much back on the table, specifically in games where Yaka Pirtle is closing. Uh, but their offense can be a weapon as well, especially when they go with that small lineup. Again, various different ways to play. What a beautiful thing. Let's get to the hmm, shall we? The hmm for me is uh, Chris Boucher's three-point shooting. It's not like a new trend necessarily. It's actually been kind of a prolonged stretch of very good shooting from Chris Boucher. Uh, in fact, if I was to just pose a trivia question to you, who do you think is leading the Toronto Raptors in three-point percentage since January the 1st? I'll pause. You can you know contemplate your answer. It's Chris Boucher, uh, 40.9% on just 2.4 attempts a game, but that's all you need from Chris Boucher, really. If he can hit one or two threes, the impact that has on those in-between minutes where the Raptors are without their best players for you know stretches for Chris Boucher's out there, that's massive. That's huge. One three made against the Wizards on Saturday. It felt like a massive three. It feels like every time a three for him goes down, it's enormous, and those in-between lineups are going to make a lot more sense if Chris Boucher is something closer to a league average shooter than the 28% guy he was last season or to start this year. He's now near 34% on the season. The stretch since January 1st has looked really nice. He had that 38% season in uh, Tampa as well. I really don't know what to say about like what Chris Boucher is as a shooter. He might one of these be one of these guys who's just constantly up and down, and it you know kind of all comes out in the wash when you look at the career numbers for him in three point percentage. But it's also uh, you know 
maybe it'll stick one of these years. Usually it takes about a thousand three-point attempts in the NBA to really kind of get the true measure of if a guy is a three-point shooter or not. He's at 772 career attempts, um, you know, 33.5%. Maybe that's just the guy he is on whole, on the whole here. We'll see, but... I'm very encouraged by his shooting of late. And if it keeps up around this clip or even just, you know, a slight dip from the 41% he's been at since January the 1st, that really bodes well for those in-between liners for the Raptors and their ability to survive those minutes without Fred or Pascal or Yak or whomever else on the floor. Uh, so great stuff. Love it. It's kind of like a good, but also a thing that I just don't know if many people realize Chris Boucher has been shooting the damn lights out since January the first. We're going to round it there. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Thank you for supporting the show. As always, please go subscribe, all that good stuff on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. We'll be back again tomorrow to break down Raptors Nuggets. It should be a great time. As much as the Nuggets are horrifying, the Raptors seem to play them pretty well almost every single time out. Um, And honestly, just like a spirited effort against the best team in the West and the team that I think is going to come out of the West would be a nice thing to see. Um, You know, curious to see how they, you know, deal with yeah, you know, Nikola Jokic with a real center for the first time in years. You know, they've actually acquitted themselves nicely against the Nuggets without having to have a big center. OG's done a wonderful job against them. Even Scotty's had some moments or had some moments last year against them. Um, but OG in particular has kind of been the guy to guard Jokic with. I feel like Precious can kind of do it a little bit as well. No one's going to guard Jokic and stop him. This team, if you just look at the shooting numbers for the Nuggets, they're like disgusting. Everyone is over a 60% true shooting. Jokic is over 70%. Like they just don't miss. It's going to be a really, I think, uh, strong and good test for the Raptors defense, which has really come on to better times of late. Um, but either way, it should be a ton of fun. We'll break that game down tomorrow as uh, I love the Nuggets, man. They're like my second favorite team at the moment. And I think they should be everybody's second favorite team. Nikola Jokic is like unlike anything we've ever seen play basketball before. So uh, enjoy the game tonight. Should be a great time. We'll break it down tomorrow. We've got Vivek Jacob making his appearance this week, a little later in the week. It's going to be on Friday. We've got Katie. We've got Jamar all coming up this week as well as we get back into the regular groove here. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Go make your second listen of the day. Locked on Leafs as your Toronto Maple Leafs made a whole lot of moves at the trade deadline and uh, summarily came out and got their uh, butts whipped by the Vancouver Canucks over the weekend. But if you want to pick up the pieces from that, you want to take a look at the stretch run for the Leafs. Locked on Leafs with Mike and Dave is the place to go. Go check them out wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. And with that, we will leave you there. Have yourself a wonderful night. Enjoy Raptors Nuggets. We'll talk to you Tuesday. Bye-bye.